We're continuing this morning in a sermon series called Filled, The Ordinary Life of the Believer. We've been walking through the book of Acts and seeing that God's plan and purpose is to fill the life of the believer with his presence, with his power, but we've also been looking at some of the prerequisites and preconditions for that to happen. So we can put ourselves in a place to receive from the Lord, and as we've done this from time to time, we're also looking to the person of the Holy Spirit. What do we learn of Him and His ministry in us and through us? So this morning, here we are in Acts chapter 5, and we, we see here a definite component of the early life of the church. For them to remain and abide in the fullness of the Spirit, there has to be correction and accountability. For the Spirit to reign, for the Spirit to move, that always has to be a part of the church. Now, I know many of you are looking at me in disbelief that a pastor is talking about accountability when, when last week the preacher preached for 39 minutes. I know, the audacity. And then the last preacher I brought in, 38 minutes. And we won't talk about the fiasco of Tommy Artman 44 and a half minutes three years ago. We all need accountability. We all need correction. My wife and I went to see Sound of Freedom, the movie, uh, last week. And when we got to, the, to buy our tickets, the, the woman at the teenager at the counter said, all we have left is front row. Would that be okay with you? We said, sure, we're just glad to get in. Thank you. And I watched her shoulders go down and her take a breath. And she said, thank you. I can't tell you how many people have blasted me today. Christian film who have blasted me because it was sold out or because they had to sit on the front row. Thank you. Christians, we need correction. We need to be open. Is there any place in my life that's blocking the gospel in other people's lives? And even here, Acts chapter 5, this early, just after we've come off of Acts 4, where they have one heart, one soul, everything in common, they're seeing great testimonies of the Lord's working, and then bang, Acts chapter 5, you get this so early. I kind of wish Luke hadn't recorded this. You've only got so much space, Luke, to tell the story of the early church. Why are you bringing this up to so soon? I saw an Instagram, po uh, Instagram post this week of a husband from his honeymoon. And he had caught his wife on video in the kitchen just days into their marriage. She had gone to prepare a snack and she was cutting up some carrots for them. I say cutting up. When he turned the corner, she wasn't cutting them. She was biting them and dropping them on the plate. <laughs> Two days in, that's too soon. That's too soon to see that. This, is, this seems too soon, but it's part of the story. Even that early in the purity of the early church, all of a sudden we bump into the need for severe correction. Uh, if we want to stay close to God... Stay in his will, stay in his power, maintain that relationship. We have to be open to correction and discipline. Don't know why, woke up at 3.38 last night, and I thought, I need to get back to sleep, big day tomorrow, so I got one of my favorite preacher's podcasts, this will put me back to sleep. And so I put a preacher in my ears, tried to go to sleep, and he was talking about, and that podcast just launched last night, right after midnight. 
but he was talking about there's no more discipline in the church. There's no more accountability. Don't even try to say a word because you're going to get smacked. Each to each other, pastor to parishioner, parishioner to defensive pastor. Nobody's open in our culture to correction. I was reading G. G. Campbell Morgan this week in his commentary on Acts 5. Same thing. The church is dangerously weak in the matter of discipline. Nobody wants it. Nobody wants to give it. Nobody will allow others to give it to them. So what do we see here about these two people in Acts uh, chapter 5? We talked about these two back in 2019 in our stewardship campaign about that they were withholding what they had. Um, And you heard Steve pray about that. We don't want to withhold anything uh, that the Lord wants of us. Now this this is extraordinary correction, and sometimes you get it. Achan, Korah, I mean, you, Elijah distributes that one point. You've got points where there's this extraordinary uh, correction in, in Scripture. But what we've been talking about over these weeks together, what's the ordinary stuff? Not the extraordinary gifting of the Spirit, whether it's tongues or prophecy. We as Wesleyans and Methodists are open to that as long as it's in order, but But what's the ordinary things that the Holy Spirit wants to do in my life, your life, and the life of our church? So we're not going to spend as much time with this extraordinary uh, correction, but just look at the importance of ordinary correction because of, like we said in 19, they're withholding, they're grasping. And she knows it too. Scripture points that out. It's not just him. They both know they're going to hold back. And that's sadly been the story of God's people. From Acts chapter 3 with Eve and Adam both grasping and taking and holding on to this point, this early on in the church, we've got, we've got that. You know, we said last uh, two weeks ago, page one, it's persecution and opposition. The minute they do the first miracle, there's persecution and opposition. But sadly, on page two of the church, there's already a deep need for correction and accountability. So it's not just withholding. If you're a note taker, you can write all these W's down. It's not just withholding that we see. We saw that three or four years ago. But if you go to verse three, here's the other reason we need to be open to to correction. It's warfare. This is open spiritual warfare on these two, and they fall for it. He's saying to them, why has Satan so filled you? We're all filled with something. We're all going to be filled. You see it. We saw it a couple weeks ago. It's either the city's filled or the people are filled with jealousy. Here it's with the devil or it's the Holy Spirit. It's open warfare on them. It happened in Jesus' life immediately, in the disciples' life. And so in verse 3, Peter says, Satan is filling you. By the way, it's interesting that that happens because Satan is a mocker of God. And so if we just said two weeks ago in chapter 4, 31, they prayed the Spirit of God filled them, then it's just like the devil to mock that experience and to say, let me fill your life. Let me bring filling uh, to your life. It's open warfare. The devil is a tempter, a taker, a liar, or misleader. He comes for the church quickly. And because we're under that attack, yes, we need all those spiritual correct protections. We've talked about prayer, being in his word, being in worship. But we also need recognizing that the battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the principalities, as Paul tells the church in Ephesus. But you know what? I need some flesh and blood around me too. 
who will offer a word of correction. They need the correction of the word, the correction of the spirit, the correction that can happen in prayer, but also I need some flesh and blood people to say, as Peter gives a second chance to Sapphira, did you hold back? I need that second chance, flesh and blood correction. And we all have to be open to that as well. Jesus modeled that in his ministry. Actually, I heard somebody said the greatest miracle, and they weren't, they weren't being, they were joking. Maybe the greatest miracle Jesus ever did was that he was over 30 and had 11 friends. A man over 30 who has 11 friends. A man over 30 has two or three friends that he does life with. Peter, James, and John does separate life with. I've shared this, and Tommy Artman gave me this 10 years ago. He had read, men have fewer friends than they've ever had in American history. To have people in our lives who we can be open with for encouragement, and then every once in a while, maybe this kind of accountability and correction. What's going on? Why are you withholding? Or to say to a brother, dude, that's, you're under spiritual warfare. Let's pray together and let's hold each other accountable. It's not just withholding and that kind of selfishness and grasping, but it's spiritual warfare and we need flesh and blood beside us. You're going to see it later in Acts 15 at the Jerusalem Council where Peter has to say a word of correction. You're going to see it later in Acts chapter 18 when Apollos, who's, who's, we read in Acts 18, he's competent in the scriptures, he's eloquent, he's teaching accurately about Jesus, but yet Priscilla and Aquila, one-on-one, carefully, privately take him aside and hold him accountable. You're missing it on baptism. And he's open to that. We don't want to give it, we don't want to receive it, but you see it so beautifully happening in scripture week and a half ago we had dick durgan's funeral many of you may have not met dick but uh, he was 91 when he passed but a big hockey guy from boston and he talked to me a whole lot about hockey every year i mean every sunday we talked boston bruins he wanted to talk to me about their hockey team but one of the last times i got to meet with him in the hospital a few weeks ago he was talking to me about a school he went to it was a school in college where (laughs) there was a code at the school that you were not allowed to lie, cheat, or steal. If you did, you got kicked out, and people got routinely kicked out. You could not lie, cheat, or steal, but here was the kicker. You couldn't let anybody else do it either. He said the freshman dorms were probably four times bigger than all the other dorms because not only did people lie, cheat, and steal, but nobody wanted to live under the pressure of having to be their brother's keeper. I don't want to do that to each his own let everybody slide i don't care that people i'm in social group are just speaking terribly to their spouse or they're parenting in ways they're just leading kids away from the lord or they're doing this wild thing and i just it's it's everybody to themselves everybody do whatever priscilla aquila said paulus come here everything you're doing you're eloquent you're studied in the scripture don't miss this on, on baptism in the Holy Spirit. And his life wasn't the same, even to the point when you read 1 Corinthians 1, when Paul's talking to the church, it's incredible ministry through Apollos. Why? Because he had been under correction and accountability. And some Christians actually had the deep love for a brother in Christ to say, hey, we see this in your life. Have you thought about this? It's throughout Scripture, the importance, this precondition that we be open to 
uh, correction from one another. And that's why John Wesley, when he defines who the church is, in his definition for the church, he says, the church is disciplined by the death of Ananias and Sapphira. Sapphira. It's in his definition, the, important, the importance of being under correction. But, but biblical expositor John Stott says, humble submission is such an important part of Christian behavior that the verb occurs 32 times in the New Testament. Not self-assertion, but self-submission is the hallmark of the spirit-filled believer. Second Peter, I mean, excuse me, Peter reminds us the devil's a roaring lion seeking someone who he can devour. It is spiritual warfare, but sometimes we need a flesh and blood person to come alongside us. The Lord will come alongside us too, but to say a word of encouragement or maybe a word of accountability. It's withholding, it's warfare, and then you keep uh, looking down. Uh, sadly, the other word might be worth, if you're a note taker, it might be worth. Why are they holding this money back? Maybe it's riches they want, as we heard in Be Thou My Vision. Riches I don't need, I don't, but maybe they're withholding for that, or maybe it, it's something worse. Maybe there's this sense, this, this lack of worth. Because you go back to chapter four, read the context. What just happened? It's word for word. Barnabas just did the same thing. Barnabas sold property. Barnabas laid it at the disciples' feet. So maybe they're doing this to say, would somebody notice me? I feel like a nobody in the kingdom and I just want some worth. And if our worth is ever outside of the love of God for what he's done for us in Jesus Christ, if we're seeking an attaboy or way to go, we are going to do damage to our souls and to the people around us. So we try to squeeze that from them. It's got to be Jesus alone who gives us our self-worth. Peter calls that out in, in verse 4. But maybe there's something even more deeply going on is, look at me, I'm worthy. I'm going to withhold this, but I'm going to put it at the apostles' feet. And like Barnabas got celebrated, this son of encouragement, maybe they'll get a nickname for us and look at us. And we live in a culture that can certainly do that. Look at me, look at my worth. And we scramble for that. We do damage to our own relationship. We do damage to other people's. We squeeze it uh, from them. This, as Steve prayed this morning, the Lord is patient and he is kind. But if you go to Isaiah 48, there's a reminder, he will not share his glory with another. We exist for the glory of God, not to puff ourselves up. And as, as y'all beautifully sang this morning, it's not just riches. I don't need riches. I also don't need the empty praise of men. And I know we're tempted to want it, I know it. We want to be built up, but be built up in Christ. He is a rock who will give you the surety of your, of your worth uh, to him. So withholding, warfare, worth, and then lastly, and, it, and this is where it gets really bad. It's probably even worse than that. If you look at verse 3 and 4, it's just wickedness is what's going on. We get, say, oh, there's such extraordinary accountability. You read verse 3 and 4, and then even verse 9 as well, there, there's something going on between y'all and God. You're not just lying to him, but verse 9, you're testing him. This is not just a slip. This is not just something for self-glory. This is rebellion, and so the harsh discipline is warranted. Um, and there's so much here, by the way. You can see in these verses, we don't have time this morning, you see in these verses this says something of the divinity of the Holy Spirit. And I say that because uh, J.D. Walt, who's going to be our speaker in August when we get Wednesdays at Madison back, uh, J.D. Walt uh, says, I think it's the numbers right around over 50% of Christians polled don't believe the Holy Spirit is God. 
And so you're seeing here the way that the way that it's being reported is you're lying to the spirit, you're lying to the God. It reminds us that that he is God. And so uh, Dr. Matt Ayers, some of y'all know him from Wesley Seminary, he's going to come preach and close out this series over Labor Day. And he's going to preach on his chapter, his new book, about the deity of the Holy Spirit. His, he is co-eternal, he's co-equal, his omniscience, his omnipresence. And so we'll celebrate the person, but also the, glo- the glory of the Holy Spirit uh, that weekend. But you see here, and lastly as we close, you see here also that the Holy Spirit is a person. And that's the wickedness of what's going on. It's a rebellion of a personal uh, relationship. Again, another, another recent poll in 2022, the State of Theology survey of the five wrong beliefs held by Christians, one was not just the Holy Spirit is God, the Holy Spirit isn't even a person. Now listen, I understand why we can't get our head around that. How do you define a disembodied person, right? And so it's awkward when we talk about the Holy Spirit as the third person of the Trinity who's rightly worshipped and, and glorified. And call, we call him Lord in the creeds, but I get why it's hard because every time he shows up, what's the imagery with the Holy Spirit? It's fire. It's oil. It's water. It's wind. Very impersonal, I get that, imagery about the Holy Spirit. But, but when he comes in his fullness, it's not just the power of God, it's the person of God. And you see that all throughout Acts and throughout the Scriptures. It's always personal. Listen to these personal acts. He speaks, teaches, guides, fills, and dwells, makes alive, intercedes, prays, helps, defends, convicts, gives gifts. And also when people react to them, it's, it's personal acts. He's the subject of treatment that's personal, grieved, resisted, treated contemptuously, blasphemed against, quenched, and here, tested and lied to. It's always about a personal relationship with the Lord. God doesn't want to just bless you with his power. Praise God that he does. And Jesus testified to that in Acts 1. He wants to bless you with his very spirit. And so to, to, to hold on to, to abide in that personal relationship with the Lord, we've got to make sure we're not withholding. You need to hear a word about that today? We are grasping, not trusting the provision of God, but I'm grasping onto my life, my will, my family, my work, and I'm not letting them go for the Lord. Uh, you in the middle of warfare, and you're not hearing the encouragement or, or the correction of a brother and sister in Christ. You won't have the fullness of the Spirit in your life if you're not open to that. What about this morning? You're struggling with self-worth? Know that the, the God has said to us we're His very temple and that His very Spirit wants to be in the middle of our lives. You're that valued that Christ died for you and His Spirit's taking up residence in you. But don't, don't confuse. Don't confuse things and say, look at me. There have been times where we have been puffed up, and it's all about me. Is any repentance needed of that today? And then lastly, this relationship, this this hard word in verse 3 and 4, this is really an act of rebellion against the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is very serious when he talks about that. Is there any place in your life where you're intentionally missing the will of God? How is it you and I need to hear this word and respond to it today? Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for what we see in the early church, as hard as it is. Even when they're of one, one mind and heart, the tempter is at the door. Not only is the tempter at the door, human will is at the door. So we pray that we might know the fullness of your spirit in the midst of our church family and with each one of us. 
So help us to see, Holy Spirit, convict us. There are places in our lives where we're defensive and we don't want correction. There are places in our lives we're not releasing to your work, whether it's a talent, a gift, a resource, whatever that might be. Or if there's any struggle with esteem, where we're stumbling along, not knowing who we are in Christ, or sadly, where we're lifting ourselves above the glory of Christ. Holy Spirit, would you come and help and heal and lead? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.